Hi, I'm Manav Joho and welcome to PSP, a podcast where we talk about political, sociological and psychological issues. Hi, welcome back to PSP. Today, I would like to welcome world-renowned author Paru Anand to our second episode of PSP. Paru Anand is a Sahitya Academy Bal Sahitya Award winner for her book Wild Child. She has written books for children, young adults and adults. Paru Anand's books communicate important issues of today's time like the Kargil War, hate against Islam culture and a lot more. As a performance storyteller and speaker, she has represented India all over the world. She also works with children in schools and NGOs through a program Literature and Action and holds a world record for helping over 3,000 children make the longest newspaper. She has been awarded for a contribution to children's literature by Russian Center for Science and Culture. No Gun at My Son's Funeral opened to rave reviews and was on the International Board on Books for Young People's Honours list and has been translated into French, German and Spanish and is also being adapted for cinema. <sighs> I'm out of breath with this lit- list of achievements and trust me when I say the list goes on. Anyways, to kick off the podcast with the author of numerous engaging books, my first question would be regarding her popular book, Like Smoke. This book, correct me if I'm wrong, is about associating Islamic culture with terrorism. What made you write on such a disputed choice in today's world? And how did you somehow portray this to kids and young adults in a way that they would understand? Actually, um, the book isn't specifically only about how the world views Islam. Um, I work extensively with young people in Kashmir and um, just seeing how young people are growing up in an atmosphere of conflict. These are children who have never seen anything but conflict. Um, Correct. So the book has different stories. It's an anthology. Kind of children on the edge, children on a precipice who must decide whether they jump off the precipice or they step away from it and make a change. So basically that I would say is the hook of the book. Okay. Um, So there are some stories um, about young people in Kashmir, but basically uh, that's... That's the theme. Okay, and um, how do you communicate this idea to um, children? Because it's such a very sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. How do you like portray it for them to understand? I think by being authentic and honest, being brave enough to talk. In fact, um, I, one of the achievements awards that I'm very proud of is the Karubaki Award, um, which is for... Oh, a fearless woman writer. And I really took that to heart, that I'm fearless. So the question is, how do I get young people to read, first of all? Uh, Because teenagers honestly don't even have the time. Correct. Very often don't have the inclination anymore to continue reading what is not in the course. Yeah, and yeah. being an IB student, I've seen yeah, that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No matter how much you want to, you know, reading gets pushed. Uh, so how does that... Um, so first of all, how do you get them to read? 
by writing on issues that they're talking about, that they're confused about, that they know something about but don't quite not know what to do about it. So like topics other writers don't generally go into? Many don't, but actually in India, the young adult uh, and teen uh, fiction has really grown and there's such exciting things coming out in children's and uh, young adult literature in okay. India right now. It's okay. a very exciting space to be in. Okay. okay. Um, so, I mean, I just want to share one example with you, which is from my book, The Other, um, where, I, it, again, that's an anthology about how we otherize people. Okay. And there are different stories about disability, about the family and the victim uh, herself of rape and what happens with them when an incident as horrific as that happens. Um, divorce, death in the family, etc. So in this, there was one particular story that I was writing when I was on my mother, I, I was at my mother's deathbed. And she was slowly slipping away. And writing for me is like my lifeblood. I hang on to it like an anchor. I mean, I would drown without writing, literally. So um, I was sitting with her and I was writing this particular story about a young girl whose mother is has died. And so it was an extremely painful, extremely raw and very, very personal story. And I put it into this anthology. And when the book came out, I kind of took a step back and wondered, should I not have had this story in here? Is it too much? For children. It, for children. Yeah. Does it not belong here? Okay. Um, and I always questioned myself on that. But then I went into a school that was studying this book. And I asked them, I said, okay, we have time for me to read one story for you. Which one story do you want? And they all said that one, grief is a beast, is what that story is called. It's a beast grief is that feeds on your grief. Feeds and consumes. And, and, and consumes you, you and fattens itself. Okay. You know, unless, you know. So, and when the kids asked me to read that story, taught me a very important lesson is never underestimate children. Okay, fine. Okay, that got me a bit emotional. <laughs> um, okay, um, now again, talking about uh, the book Like Smoke and The Other, these two books were a bit, I mean, The Other, I mean, Like, like Smoke in specific was a bit controversial. Mm -hmm. So how was your audience's response to this book? Was it positive, negative, both? Or mm -hmm. how was Again, coming back to that thing, never underestimate young people. Um, my books, this particular book, Like Smoke, has been banned out of some schools. Again, back to that question of never underestimate young people. This book, Like Smoke, has been banned out of some schools after being, after the teachers decided it should be a recommended reader in the school, like compulsory reading for for the class. class. 
But when <clears throat> the children took the book home, an army of WhatsApp parents stood oh, up. <laughs> that's, I think, one of India's biggest issues is an army, so, army of WhatsApp parents stood up and threatened the school and asked them to remove this. And so it had to be removed from the school. And it's not the only school where they thought, no, this is like um, too, much. Too, too much, much for the kids. Too much for the kids. But never once, never once has a child said, this story was not appropriate for us. It's only the adults. It's the adults. It's like, it's not, I don't even use the word adults. It's gatekeepers. The challenge of children's literature is that the purchaser and the end user are two different, different people. people. That's a challenge. How do you win both? That's if you only go by what parents want children to read, children will not read that book. Correct. Almost always. Always. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Um, another book which definitely caught my interest and I'm sure your audiences as well, was the book No Guns at My Son's Funeral, which was on the IBBY honor list, making it the best book in the country for two years. The book talks about Aftab, the young Kashmiri protagonist who leads a double life. The first question regarding this book that comes into mind is what is your inspiration for writing this book? And what is the reason behind the, behind the book's name? Mm -hmm. uh, great question. I uh, was in Kashmir. Uh, on the Indo-Pak border in a place called Baramula, I was doing this project of the world's longest newspaper uh, in Baramula along with the army. And the Kargil conflict suddenly burst out, literally wow. exploded. So you were in Kashmir? I, I was in, I was that very close really to scary. the border. All flights stopped, all buses stopped. It was scary. Um, Within the morning, there were bodies and injured soldiers flying in because we were in their containment. And the children couldn't go back either to their homes. They were all children of these areas. And there's a line right at the end of the book, where, which is a direct quote from what one of the girls there said. And she had said, whatever else happens, let there be peace. For children, what does a child need? A secure future, a secure present, right? Correct. For children in that kind of situation, their present is certainly not secure. At and least. their future is very murky. They can't see it. So what do they want is somewhere where they can make good of their lives. Um, one morning at about four o'clock in the morning, there were these planes, fighter jets flying low overhead. And I was woken out of sleep. And this title came to me, No Guns at My Son's Funeral. And I thought, when somebody takes the path of violence, the likely end is violence. Um, it's not like a video game where you press a button and get another, another life. life. 
only have one life. You only have that one life. And so this is a 12-year-old boy who is seduced by an older man into becoming a terrorist. He's 12. He's an innocent child. And his deepest secret and sort of shame is that he's scared of blood. He's scared of the dark. And he's, he's, a, ter and terrorist. he's a terrorist. Wow. Uh. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot to take to the mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still quite interested in the title, No Guns at My Son's Funeral. I want to know, like, since the, the title is, like, very violent, how did, like, everyone respond to yeah. it? Like, when I, if, if my mom in particular would go see this book, she would not have got it for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> my son... Uh, I had to wanted to present the book to somebody. He was uh, so he went to a bookstore to buy it, and he was standing at the checkout counter to pay for the book. And there was an elderly gentleman standing beside him, and he looked at Uday, and he looked at the book, and he said, "But I don't buy this book." So he said, "Why?" And he said. No, it uh, doesn't sound like a good book. And my son said, my mom wrote it. Oh. <laughs> so, and this man looked at him saying, you know, bichara, poor fellow, he's like, <laughs> lost forever. Um, so yeah, the title had come to me whole. And I knew at the end that my main character is going to die. Because oh, spoiler alert. He, well, you see, the, the title itself is a spoiler alert. Correct. And we talked about it. We did. Does it give we away? Did. And I said, it's not a mystery. I want, as you set out on a path of violence, to know what the end, end is. is so I want it there, right? And But some schools, because it was the very first book of its kind in the country, of such a kind of topic, which dealt with, death of a protagonist. So we showed it to some school heads and teachers and things like that to ask for their opinion because it risked that the publisher is taking, right? Um, and some schools said that the title was too violent. And so we changed it to Kashmir, the other side of childhood. Oh, okay. We did change it. And... The night before it was going into print, I was so uncomfortable. I just couldn't sleep. And early morning, I woke my publisher up. I said, change it back. And you it, won't publish this sounds without, like, yeah. it, this sounds so academic. So what was the title again? Kashmir, the other side of childhood. Oh. Right? It sounds so academic. It sounds so, I want something with the, which makes you sit up and gasp. And so... And now, again, the thing of the gatekeepers, when I put all my books out and I tell kids that, okay, which of these books do you want me to read from? 99% of the time, they'll say, no guns at my son's funeral. And I say, why? And they say, because of the title. I mean, I was having a chat with my friend the other, like, when we had so we had a talk in Woodstock where Miss Parwana had come and spoken to us, yeah. And I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were like, "Oh, we got to start reading Miss Parwana's books." And I'm like, "Okay, what do you want to read first? And they're like, "No guns on my son." Yeah. I'm like, "Same." 
yeah. same page. Even yeah. I really want to read that yeah. book. And um, my third and final question, and like another book which you had already spoken in brief about was the book uh, The Other, mm-hmm. which talks about teenagers and their problems, but not any regular problems. It's about teens who went through grief, witnessed sexual assault, and so on. So could you please um, talk a bit about the book, mm-hmm. your inspiration behind it? Mm-hmm. And um, why, can you expand on why do you think it was important to publish? I had done a workshop with a group of students on racial discrimination. And I was surprised that they all felt that racial discrimination or discrimination in general was a thing of the past and had finished with once slavery ended and apartheid ended and all of that. And then, and now it was over. And when I started, I put them through an exercise where they were writing everything they knew about themselves, about their parents, about their siblings and everybody. No, rather I I started to ask them, who are the people who live in your home? So parents, siblings, um, you know, some grandparents yeah. who come to visit, some aunt who comes occasionally. I, and I kept saying, who else, who else, who else? And it was, oh, I have a dog, I have a, you know, ha, ha, ha. And I kept saying, who else, who else? And then when I look, at me see what's wrong with her. <laughs> nobody else. He said, you don't have domestic workers living in your home. They had forgotten, they'd not mm categorize them in their minds, in their hearts, as people. So dogs and cats and fish came Over before them. them. So then I said, so can you say that you're not practicing a form of discrimination and how we are otherizing people? And so um, I started writing the other. Also because there was a, a special section in the school of special need children from disabilities uh, disabilities and they were they were there but they were separate you know i mean they were there in the class and yet not um Um, i've personally had an experience of this so i had worked in an anganwadi in um, kerala in kochi Hmm. and uh, i had visited one of these anganwadis of by an ngo called ashoka Hmm. And I had witnessed all these kids were like playing together, but there was one kid who seemed to have ADHD or dyslexia hmm. and severe, and he was like othered. He was yeah. like put aside. Yeah. And I, and, and, I, and I asked the teacher, why aren't you including him? She's like, he has some problem. Yeah. I'm just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because it's not always because we don't want to, or that we're mean minded. It's because we don't know how to. And we don't even think about it. So I got a student with severe disability who was part of this classroom to come up to the top of the class and talk about what were his dreams and wants and what did he want of his classmates. Okay. And what he said surprised us all. He said, everybody is very kind to me, but they are almost too kind. And that kindness is almost pity. And they never ask me to play basketball. I really want to play basketball. He, 
And there was a gasp because he was severely physically disabled. But he still wanted to play. But he wanted to play. He was a kid, right? So then we devised a game in by which he could also play basketball. And then we started playing with him. So you so, unothered him. Yeah. In a way. In a way. In a way. <laughs> As I was saying, everyone, really, literally everyone wants to read the book, No Gun at My Son's Funeral. And I was wondering whether you could give us a small glimpse, a small reading of the book, please. I would love to. And I'm going to read to you deep into the book. It's chapter 20, but it kind of goes back to the beginning. Just to briefly introduce the characters, Aftab is a little 12-year-old boy. And Akram is his mentor and the leader of a terrorist outfit. Is Akram also um, a younger? Uh, Akram is a man. Is a man. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Under cover of the dark, dark night, Aftab steals away. He is proud of himself at this moment, for this is the moment he has lived for these past years, since he first joined Akram and Firozbai. The night, the darkness leaps up at him as he enters the forest. His courage sways a little. He dreads the solitude. He takes a deep breath and starts to hum a tune. And then he shuts himself up quickly. How stupid can he be? He must be soundless, like Akram has always taught him to be. And now Akram is in hiding. And he has called Aftab in the middle of the night, breaking curfew, to come meet him, to discuss plans. Aftab tries to think of this or that, but nothing can distract him from the dark that fills the space around and presses into his eyes as if to blind him. The sharp smell of pine, the grating of cicadas, the high wind hushing the trees, whispering secrets, cracking twigs, all add up to the feeling, alone, I'm alone. Akram, Akram Bhai. Yes, now that's a thought that Aftab can focus on. As he clambers forward, his mind meanders backward to the beginning when he first met his Akram Bhai. So this is now a flashback. It was a beautiful sun-ripened morning, but Aftab was on his own. He hadn't done his homework, and so he had skipped school. Of course, his father, a school teacher in the same school, would get to know. He would feel the lash of his father's tongue and later the stick. But that was later. For now, he was completely happy diving into the gentle Jhelum River, swimming out to its soft center and lying in wait. And then he had it, clutched firmly in his hand held aloft. The silver fish thrashed but his fingers did not let go. That's when he saw the man sitting on the bank, watching. He smiled and waved, and Aftab waved back. That's very impressive, the man said, looking at the fish as Aftab waded into the shallows. Can you do it again? There was the faintest hint of challenge in his voice. 
Aftab handed the fish over to the stranger, dived back again to his spot, then waited, making himself a block of wood in his stillness. Then quicker than the eye could follow, the man saw the boy disappear under the shimmering water and come up with a whoop of delight, the fish flailing in his triumphant hands. The stranger asked him how he did it, and Aftab, flushed with recent victory, feeling most important, gave the stranger a step-by-step lesson on patience, watchfulness, stillness, and speed. By the end of the lecture, Akram's eyes were ablaze. He asked the boy about himself and the child. Enjoying the company of this handsome stranger, flattered by the attention, told him all about his family, his likes, his dislikes, and also that he was often bored. Akram needed to hear just that. He had caught his fish too. Wow. Wow. And that's how Akram um, starts. Snared him. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it is as quick as that. that they just consume they or pick them pick up. Them they up. pluck yeah. them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I would again like to thank Miss Paro for taking time out of a busy schedule and recording this podcast with PSP. I'm pretty sure all my listeners have gained a lot of knowledge from this. Thank you, Ms. Paru.